Before we get stuck into the brand new episode of Alive and Kicking, I'm delighted to announce a partnership with the amazing Footy Devotion. Footy Devotion have a brilliant range of t-shirts, coasters, prints and mugs, all illustrated by the amazing team at Footy Devotion and inspired by the 1990s as well, with a special range dedicated to Italian 90. And because you listen to Alive and Kicking, the original 1990s football podcast, you can get 10% off your order. Simply use the code AK90s at the checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's AK90s, so AK90S and 10% off your order. Jobs are good at. Check out Footy Devotion on Twitter at Footy Devotion and the whole range. I've got a few myself. I've got the brilliant 3pm sweatshirt. I'm looking at a brilliant QPR print kit I've got on my wall. And there's loads and loads to choose from, from World Cups to clubs and many, many more. So check out Footy Devotion. And as always, keep it 90s. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Demi Moore being an uh, army person. Don't make a joke about it in 2022, though, eh? Welcome to Alive and Kicking. My name is Ash Rose and your host and your guide, as always, on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And it's International Week, so we're on a slight international break in terms of having a guest on. It's just me and... My guest today, well, he's not a guest, he's part of the furniture now, as I always say, our new signing this season, somebody behind the curtain slightly that I've known a very, very long time, but he is part of the biggest growing Twitter conglomerate there is, landlord of the football tavern, Mr. Ed Chambers. Ed, how the devil are you today, my friend? I am very well, Ashley. Thank you very much for that introduction. Yeah, it's good to be, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking international football. I don't know about you, actually, but I have a sort of love-hate relationship with international mm. football i think the older i've got i have a love-hate relationship with it in the fact that um i love the tournaments i love yeah. the world cup i love the euros i can't stand the international breaks mainly the september and october one the you know like when you one. yeah, yeah you, you know to get into the yeah, season yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you you start your premier league your championship your league one even your programs get going three four games in break yeah, another three or four games break again, and then in the World Cup year you get the playoffs in November as well. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys, you know, like I, I, I love it and hate it all at the same time, really. Um, yeah, it's, it is weird. I always feel that feeling on international weekend, like every yeah. Saturday, if you're not at a game, you have that itch on your phone, don't you, to check Twitter or to check these yeah. scores app you've got. Yeah, um, I'm granted, absolutely. we're being very top-heavy league here, League yeah. 1 and League 2. Of course, going. of course, yeah. But the majority, I would say, you know, most people have a team that's probably Premier League or Championship or yeah. something like that, Yeah, just the fan bases. And it's a weird feeling. It's like, you can't, you kind of go, oh, okay. It's like when the season ends and the first Saturday in the, of, uh, of the summer, and you're like, what What do we do? What do I check now? And there's no match of the day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a very, yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I mean, I mean, fair, I mean, fair play to the, fair play to the non-league as well for having non-league yes. day um, last right. Saturday where I think, I think Notts County or someone like that, there's a video on Twitter where they've got a good 
six or seven thousand people yeah. through the door, and it's well, fantastic. The Wrexham game. I mean, if you want entertainment over the weekend, yeah, yeah. that was pretty in, pretty insane. That was. I don't think Ryan thought, Reynolds could have written that that script himself. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, all this Premier League nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Go down there, exactly. And yeah. um, so, just you know, just just from your uh, your little opener there, obviously, to to bring us into modern day for a minute to make <laughs> us sound cool. Will Smith, eh? What was all that about? Well, to quote friend of the show, Sashi Nakrani, it's nice to see that the 90s live forever. You've got the Fresh Prince, you know, Chris Rock. Yeah. In a film that was out 1987, I think, G.A. Yeah. was. So, yeah. you know, two icons of an era that we celebrate on here. It's nice to see that even in the biggest controversy, the yeah. 90s keep I think, going. I think, I think we need to put this into context as well, because I don't think this is anywhere near as big as Chumba Wumba throwing an ice bucket over John Prescott. I don't, I honestly don't, I think we need to put that marker down that's, early doors. That's true. John Prescott say, is probably, that's the first time I think his name's been on this podcast. Well, there you go. There you go. So we've covered that. But I don't, and also, it's probably not even the same league as Jarvis Cocker getting on the stage towards well, Michael Jackson, really. But yeah, That was it, more dangerous, for sure, because yeah, there's a lot I mean, more people on stage. Yeah, we were chatting, weren't we, on WhatsApp the other day? It was like, is it is it real? Do we care? As many people know who listen to this, as somebody who works yeah. half my life in the wrestling industry, mm. there was a lot of theatrical wrestling-esque to that punch or slap. Yeah. Sorry, it wasn't even a punch, yeah. was it? Full-on bitch slap yeah. um, to Chris Rock. So I don't know. There, I, I go back and forth on thinking if it's real or not. But yeah. it's, uh, okay. it's a shame because he could have been the bigger man. And we'll, yeah. we'll stop this in a minute because this isn't a podcast about <laughs> But he could, he could have been the bigger man in his speech, won the Oscar, yeah. and then said something about Chris Rock rather than doing yeah. what he did. But, yeah, I mean, you, you say we've got to stop this because it's not a podcast about this. To be fair, the last podcast, we spent five minutes talking about Neighbours. Well, so, that's a you know, that should be uh, Exactly. <laughs> so, um, anyway. If, I've, uh, you I, see, if you haven't seen it, watch Liam Payne's reaction from the red carpet. If you yeah, want to I've it. seen that. What is yeah. the kid's accent? He, well, I think... I Yeah, I... I hmm. I was going to say something. I was going to say something. Uh, maybe a bit, bit wrong there. Maybe there was some sort of substance involved. Possibly, or let's, possibly. let's 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 alcohol. alcohol exactly. Yeah. As I am a landlord in inverted yeah. commas. Let's maybe call it. Too many pints in the tavern. Had... Yeah. Let's 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 go with that. He was on the same. He was on the same drink as Steve McLaren. Yeah. Talking to the tavern. That's very mm-hmm. nicely into that. Uh, yeah. You reached a nice milestone this week on Twitter. Yeah. So I, I know you wanted the opportunity to say thank you to everyone who's. Had a you know pulled a pulled up a stool and pulled a pint down in the tavern. Yeah, you're, you're enjoying things in the uh, the the best pub on the internet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's it's great, and and I can go on there once a week and say thanks very much and and all that, and and you know sometimes it might not come across that sort of way if you know what I mean when you when you're actually writing it, but to say it out loud is great because yeah we I started it in uh, December 2020. And it was a day where I was looking after my, well, as it was at the time, two girls. I've now got three. And um, I know, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was looking after my two girls. My wife's at work, as you know, she's frontline NHS. So she was working through the pandemic and stuff. And um, it got to the end of the day and I thought, right, we've done all, I've done all the daddy daughter stuff. I really, I, I really fancy a pint. And um, like, I'd really love to go for a beer with my mate, sit down and have a chat about football. Or even just in my local pub, just chat with the regulars. You can quite literally walk in there and just ch- just strike up a conversation with anybody to be quite honest. And um, you couldn't because uh, the area we were living in at the time was in in tier three or four. Or, oh, I can't oh, even remember there. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I just and, blocked that out of my mind. Exactly, and we were in we we're in lockdown. So I, I and I thought, well, 
for reasons I still don't know, I thought, why don't I try this, right, and see what happens. And by within two days, I had about 150, 200 people. And I thought, that'll do. I'm quite happy with that if we can just go on there and chat football with FIFA. And then it just kind of grew and grew. I don't know where this bizarre love of Robert Rosario comes from. Uh, you do. It comes from us watching uh, Race to the Championship 1990. Probably, late probably yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah. And then, um, you know, like I've, I've suddenly developed this sort of bastardization yeah. of Rockwell Koeman. Um, it's not something I thought about every day of the week for my whole life, but for some reason... Now that I'm on Twitter, it's like, yeah, he is a bastard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's something I really enjoy. So I just want to say thanks because it's, it's very easy to go on there and say thanks to the big accounts, you know, like thanks to, you know, yourself and 80s and 90s football, all that sort of stuff. But it's actually the people that, that make it are like the, the Luton fans and the, the Oldham fans and the, you know, the Hibernian fans. And there's so many different clubs I could say. Um, I think we've got a Zenit St. Petersburg fan somewhere and an Ajax fan and stuff like that. It's people like that that make it and I wouldn't be able to enjoy it without those guys. So, um, guys and girls, I should say. So, um, yeah, it's just something I, um, something I enjoy. So, thanks very much. And, and people haven't, we, we normally do this at the end, but since we're talking about it, if people haven't already joined in the fun, what is the, the Twitter handle, sir? Yeah, well, see, this is how much I am naive on Twitter that I often forget. <laughs> um, so uh, it's at Tavern Football, because I often say at Football Tavern, and then they go, no, it's not. And they go, yeah, you're right, it's not. It's at <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is that. So if anyone wants to come in, join in any time, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, lots of Robert Rosario mentions. Lots of Robert Rosario was he any good? I've got vague memories I, of Robert Rosario. I, I think I've got this thing about Robert Rosario from, you know, like when um, when Cluffy was leaving Forest. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that they needed a striker to stay up because they were struggling up front. Yeah. They, had, they had a good base. I mean, like, you know, the team's got Roy Keane and Stuart Pearson. It's got to be decent enough. So they had a decent enough team, but they needed to sign a centre forward. And I think Clough had a chance to sign Collymore when he was at South End. And I'm pretty sure that Robert Rosario was the cheaper option, or there was something in it anyway. And he went for Rosario, and obviously they got relegated. So it's just something that's always stuck with me. So I don't know why. It's a bit like you. I'm going to say this now. Should we make it our mission to get Robert Rosario on this show? I would. I think that would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's anybody out there that. Happens to know Robert Rosario or is Robert Rosario? I mean, that'd be even amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I very much doubt that him and Earl Barrett are listening to this show. But who knows? To be fair, we've we've got people on this show. I never thought that I would would speak to Alexi Lalas is one of them for sure. Um, We'll talk about talk about baptism of fire. You text me on the night before the first my first ever pod and went, "I'm chatting to Glenn Oddle tomorrow. Do you want to come on?" That's like exactly, yeah, Glenn Oddle. Uh, Yeah, I'll have some of that. But, I mean, I've spoken, I haven't used it on this show. I've used it because it's predominantly QPR. But I spoke to Roy Wegley, which is somebody that I, yeah. you know, I've obviously on this show mentioned many, many times, but yeah. never thought I'd actually speak to him. Um, and now we WhatsApp every now and then. Like, Roy Wegley comes up on my phone, mm. and I'm like a 10 year old going, It's Roy Wegley. He's texting me again. <laughs> so, full friend. <laughs> full on football friend. Full on yeah. fanboying the hell out of yeah. it. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it can be done. I've, done a project over the last year that when you're searching for obscure 90s footballers yeah. it's much harder than you think yeah and if you're out there listening please contact us yeah um, but that's yeah i would set that challenge now that we'll try and get robert Rosario right. on the show because that'll be, for that. be interesting as well being interested in chat with with him i'm sure yeah. um 
no guest today, as we said, because we as it's international week, um, we set a little challenge, I suppose, for us for us both. You may have seen both of us tweet on it um, on the tavern and on AK nineties. It's international week, so we thought we'd talk international football, and then we've covered it in many different veins and forms. We've done shows on tournaments when we did this week in the nineties. We obviously covered a lot of different games as they happened during the week. We've done elevens, blah blah blah. Um, but today we're focusing on a bit more, slightly more personal view on the 1990s and what Ed and I have both done is we pick five international games from the 1990s that, for whatever reason, I'm not going to necessarily say they're our top five in terms of best, but they mean favourite possibly, they mean something different. And, and there were some great tweets as well from yesterday, there were many games mentioned. Yeah. Um, Some really good them, ones, actually. Yeah, a lot of them I'll probably give honourable men- mentions um, as we go yeah, through. Absolutely. Um, and they're they're going to be some obvious ones as well because it's, I'm not I'm not going to try and be all hipster about it and say, oh, I you know I liked that England qualifier where we wore that red kit against Greece in 1990, whatever that was, 95, whatever it was. Well, why not? Because that is you. That's your personality. That is, that, yeah, that is. I obviously mentioned kit, and I it, I tried really hard not to pick England, Spain, where we wore the my favourite kit, England kit of all time. But the game's terrible. I, they, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here still trying to work out what hipster means. But that's yeah. There you go. Go to uh, go to Shoreditch and walk around for a little while. You'll see. Well, okay. Long beards. You know that type. Gotcha. Of thing. Yeah. Right, I'm there. I'm there. So, yeah, we've picked five. Um, should we do them chronologically? That's the word I could actually say. Um, I thought we'd do it five, four, three, two, one. Well, Save the expectation. Rant. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. Done, I've done my have you not? chronologically because I think they kind of mean, but I can, oh, what have I done? Well, I, I'll tell you what. So, if I, all right, you, you, quick, you could quickly do your five, four, three, two, one while you're. Oh, I, I can do it. I can do it as we go. I can do it. So, okay, yeah. that's the. I can right. do it as we go. So, let, since you've got yours fixed, number. Yeah, five, sorry. We, see, that just goes to prove that we don't. No. actually prepare for this show. No, we don't not at all yeah. well we prepare a little bit and then we go how do we do the format in that's do it let's wing it uh, <laughs> i normally talk five. about it during the show yeah that's um, your number five then ed where are you starting where, what year are we what team are we? So, where are we in the international landscape in the 90s so we are heading right back to the start of the decade we are in the san zero in 1990 nice. it is the first game of the world cup and it's argentina versus cameroon oh. The which shock. of course, yeah, which of course we all know now is obviously one nil to Cameroon, which is still. I had a look at the goal this morning actually, and it is still one of the worst goalkeeping <laughs> mistakes I think I've ever seen. If if the more I watch it, the more I think there's something untoward and not quite right about it because it's so poor. Um, so little did I know um, at the time that of course that this was my first ever. World Cup match. Of course. Um, you and I are the same age and we were obviously, you know, we were unfortunately, I always think, too young for Mexico 86 and we missed Maradona and, and all of that. But speaking of Maradona, you, you kind of, by this stage, you, you're going to school and if you're talking football with any older kids or kids, you know, in your class, you know that Maradona is the devil because he's the guy that plays football with his hand. Um, so to have Argentina against Cameroon, you obviously root for Cameroon straight away um, because that's what you've been told to yeah, do. Um, and the game itself, of course, is brilliant on so many levels. The red cards are truly amazing, particularly the second one. There's some meaty tackles in this game. Oh, I've, I, you know, I've, I've come to call him three hurdles Canadia because he, yeah. he literally does the first two and a third one wallop. <laughs> um, and it's quite, you know, 
and Sid, you know, Sid Lambert, we were chatting about before um, we, we came on actually about his page and how, you know, we, we, we look at it every day and stuff. And Sid, Sid writes something along the lines of, nobody wants to see that. And then he'll put in brackets, absolutely effing everybody who wants to see it, you know, because it's true. It's so yeah. funny. Um, so, I have to say of the era, that wasn't kind of, it was kind of, that was a thing. It's like, you yeah. were seen through 2022 eyes. It's yeah. like, wow, look at that. But yeah. it was more of a thing in, in 1990. Yeah, because but in, in 1990, the, like Saint, if you if you find it, you ever see it, the Saint and Greavesy sort of day after, you know, like they do like a little highlight package yeah. or whatever on the show. And Greavesy's like, no, oh, yeah, they're not, you know, it wasn't that bad. There's a chest high boot on Maradona, <laughs> right? And he's sort of gone, oh, yeah, that's a bit naughty. Could you imagine Gary Neville? Gary Neville would explode yeah, at something he'd, like He'd that. make one of those noises he makes. Yeah. Really on, on a certain it, level. Absolutely, yeah. So this... You know, so this game for me just stands out as memorable for those reasons. It also, on a personal level, and and I think we are bringing a, a lot of the personal into yeah. it. Um, so I watched that game at home after school. I remember my mum was in the kitchen making a dinner. My sister was only two or three herself, so she was pottering around doing whatever two or three year olds do. And um, my dad was at work. I think he was coming home late. And um, so my granddad who was living in Ireland at the time, he rang up to speak to my dad about the game as soon as the final whistle came. Like to say, you know, wow, you know, Cameroon a bit nice and Cena. But of course he didn't get my dad, he got me. Um, and I think that was the first time that my granddad and I had ever conversed on football. Nice. All right, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think I gave him a tactical breakdown <laughs> of how Cameroon beat Argentina. You know I just I wouldn't be surprised if you did at that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think I sort of gave you know something along the lines. Isn't it great that Maradona lost or yeah. or whatever? But um, unfortunately, your granddad um, passed away only about eighteen months or so after that. So it's something that's always sort of stuck mm. with me. That that so whenever I see that game, I always think about that conversation. Yeah. So for me, it's on two levels. On a football level, I didn't know at the time, but it's my first World Cup match, and it was really, really good. I thought at the time, and obviously on a personal level, it was like a first conversation with my granddad about football, and it's something that I've always kind of held on to. So that's why I picked Argentina versus Cameroon. Good start. I mean, we'll t- spoiler alert: we'll probably talk about Cameroon a bit later as well. But I mean, there was ah, such, interesting. Uh, it was there was such a team, uh, you know. What I love about the '90s World Cups was is that you, they were the unknowns, weren't they? Like yeah. you don't get that anymore because right. of the world is so much more open because yeah. we know so much more because of the internet, because of social media. Yeah, yeah. Like you can watch the African Nations Cup. Like you wouldn't be able to do that in the in the '90s, and unless no. it was on some obscure channel like Eurosport, no. as it was no. in the middle Absolutely. of the night. Like you didn't Absolutely. know these teams and these players, and that's what made this win. Mm. So I completely, I I don't think I I remember this game as it happened because I think the first memories I have of that World Cup are all England. I think I was obsessed with the England right. games, but I'm not sure I was watching everything at that point. Yeah. Um, I might, might be a mismemory. My mum and dad might tell you otherwise, because it's been, it's starting to be so long ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. But obviously in, in, I've seen it since. And literally after that World Cup, I remember I consumed every single thing I could get my hands on and seeing these, these, this match and knowing the Maradona story, I completely. Abs- abs- absolutely. And I mean, by that, by that stage, I'm kind of, sticker mad i yeah. think there's the world cup stickers and there's like the 
I mean, you you know the names more than I do. It's like, well, the, the, like the annuals and the yeah. is it Orbis or something? Orbis I think I had. One I think the, yeah, yeah. It was a Panini I, album for ninety, and there was the Orbis collection as yeah. well. I definitely had. I definitely had a Panini album, and yeah. I think that kind of got my interest heightened for that Argentina Cameroon game. I'm not. I'm not saying that the next day I went back and watched whatever the games were the next day, but yeah. um, you know, Argentina Cameroon is just something that sort of sticks out um sticks out of me it's yeah. iconic as well it's it's a very iconic yeah. it's a really iconic game um have you got a number five i've got, got no i've ordered this one did take me to order them um I, this is my ne- very niche one um right. you know, which i've told you about on the preamble um and it hasn't come up and i, I know why it hasn't come <laughs> up on any others list that we from the people that follow us on twitter that have mentioned their games and it wouldn't probably register in mm-hmm. a lot of people's minds or anything for any other reason but I'm, it was an England qualifier. Uh, what was the date? Let's check. Uh, 17th of February, 1993. Wow. Okay. Six, San Marino Neil. Now, it's a bit random. People go, okay, what? You know, it's just a... Before I get to the actual reason, I think, firstly, it was the first time I remember England playing someone like, that you refer to as a minnow as well. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. a proper, like, they could get a spanking here. That wasn't really... You didn't see many of them... Before that, I remember a game against Malaysia. I think Gary Lineker scored four goals very a bit before that. But I, you wasn't. I personally wasn't used to seeing England or any team do play someone so small. I'd never heard of San Marino. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what was San Marino? Was it yeah. was it a thing? Um, so that was a thing as well. Um, but the main thing, and this is com- coming from a completely personal club level, was. This was the game where Les Ferdinand got his first England call-up, rightfully so as well. So we're talking the 92-93 season, which, you know, I'm uh-huh. going to say top London club and all. Um, and, I mean, as a QPR fan, I'm, and I'm sure pe- fans of smaller clubs, which is no disrespect, I'm calling my own club a smaller club here, when the England squad gets announced, and before that we'd had David Bardsley, who'd played a couple of caps uh, a couple of years before that. Obviously, Andy Sinton had been called up as well. But there was something different about Les. Like, Les was a cut above the rest. I, like, I, could talk to, I could do a whole podcast on how good Les Ferdinand was a footballer and somebody who could play. I think we mentioned this, actually, in a couple of shows ago. He could play in today's game. He's that, he was that oh, good. Absolutely. He had yeah. the attributes, the power, the pace. He, yeah. was, we, like, he was on borrowed time at QPR from that season because we knew that at some point he was too good for us and yeah. he was our superstar and he warranted and he got his England call up despite the fact that it was a, you know, a front line with so much talent, you know, Shearer was establishing Michelle as number one. Ian Wright was still a top goal scorer in the top division as well. There were, there was a healthy competition for him, but he got his England call and it just felt like one of, you know, I felt like a proud dad watching <laughs> his, like his boy play for England. Cause yeah. also I think, in the 90s, it was such a big deal to call up for England. Not that it isn't now, but I feel like you have to do a lot less to get an England cap. Than yeah. You yeah, I think that's fair. Like, you look at Robbie Fowler. I think he had two seasons where he scored 30-odd goals before he even got a sniff mm-hmm. of an England cap, Like, which is ridiculous. And compare that now to someone like Conor Gallagher, who I think is has a fantastic season, but I don't think he'd got an England cap so soon or, you know, okay. someone like Emil Rose Smith and like, yeah. there was, there was like a build up. There was a time scale going, yeah, they've had a good season. That's see how they go. Blah, blah. I'm I think just, team. just quickly on that point, not to go too modern day, but I'm going to for a second. I think, and not to blame those pesky foreigners, but there's, there's less, there's <laughs> less, true. there's less, less, less players for Southgate to pick from. So say on average, I think in the Premier League, there's about 60 English players that play on a given weekend. You've got essentially a one in three chance of making the squad. Yeah. Whereas back then it was 
one in ten or whatever. But yeah. no, um, that's a good point. That's a I mean, that's, yeah, Les. I mean, Les was a fabulous player. He was, yeah, and and it, it's the same thing I used to get because obviously I came from an area where I was the only QPR fan. Uh, in my school, in my town, in my area. It was just me yeah. and my dad. So the QPR always felt like it's mine because yeah. I didn't grow up in Shepherd's Bush or West London. So yeah. when it was a player on the big stage, it was representing us. It was like when I used to go on holiday and you go in those funny beach shops and they have all the Man United, all the Liverpool, like, I don't know, plaques and window stickers and stuff. Yeah. If I ever saw anything in QPR, I'd go into a crazy fit because it's like... Yeah. They've got my club and you'd buy it because yeah. it was so limited to what exposure we had. And this gave us that exposure. And it took the whole game because David Platt scored four goals um, in this game. Um, and I've always Obvious. said, I, obviously, obviously <laughs> I, always said I used to just not like David Platt. And I don't know why. Sorry, Stu. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he scored four. It was Colton Palmer's first goal as well. Colton! It's yeah, that game for right. anyone who's familiar with the documentary. Yeah. Um, who else scored the score sheet? Or someone else I'm missing. So Les didn't score, though. Is that what we're, you're telling me? Oh, no, it was that, yeah. Four for David Black, Colton Palmer, and then the 86th minute. I can remember Les. the goal now. I think it's Tony Adams who gets the header. And then Les gets the final touch. But it's one of those, it's like, did it slightly go in before Les oh, touched it? Um, yeah. Which it was, it did, and it was given. But I was like, he had to score, because I felt like if he didn't score, that's it. He'll never play for England. He'll never get another chance, because in your 10-year-old head, that's it. You get your chance, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And so I think, I think on that... Yeah, I think on Les, actually, from your QPR perspective, I think you said, you know, you knew from kind of that point on that he would go mm -hmm. because he was that good. I think you did well to keep him as long as you did. We did. Um, firstly. And the second thing is is how important he was because, well, sorry to bring it up, but the year that you sold him, you got relegated. Yeah. And it, like that's how important Les Ferdinand was to QPR. So, no, I can... Yeah, that's a that's a really good choice. That I did. You did tell me before we started, just before we started, that you would pick. I would never have no, said. Would, and no one. I wouldn't have picked that for you. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked that for you at all. But no one, and it's not a game that means anything because it was a random qualifier. It's just that yeah. little nugget. It just made it different. And you're right. We did keep Les for I think another two seasons after that. Yeah, the, yeah. It's not. I'm not telling anything. Any QPR fan here. The money went to waste. You know, we spent it on Ned Zellick and Mark Haley, and it was never. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Gallen wasn't ready, and it was. Yeah. It, as yeah. you say, it was a massive hole. But um, number four for you, Ed. Where are we going now? <clears throat> number four. We are still in Italy, which is a good. Yep. Is a good thing. We are still in Italia ninety. Um, we are now in Genoa in a bright sunny Monday afternoon in Sampdoria's stadium. I think they play in Genoa now. I've said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, someone's going to someone's going to tweet in and tell me yeah. that that's wrong and the the name of the stadium, which I think is Luigi Ferrara or something right, like yeah, that. But right. he's probably Juve's right back or something like that. Um, so what I should explain actually before um, I go off on talking about this um, quite passionately is that I do come from um, a large Irish family. Um, I'm actually married to an Irish woman as well, as you well know. Um, and so, uh, like, granddad, grand, so basically grandparent level are all Irish, like, both sides. And then that sort of filters down to, like, aunties and uncles and, and cousins and blah, 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 you know, as it, as it, as it has a tendency to, to go. And then my sort of mum and dad, my immediate family, we're kind of like the, the, almost the ones that were born, like, live over here in England. So we kind yeah, of, yeah. which was quite odd when Ireland played England in Italia 90 in the first game because I didn't 
really understand any of that like the geography thing i just yeah. you know i just thought they were two teams i didn't understand the country kind of scenario no, yeah. and but so i didn't really understand why this lot were rooting for ireland and this lot were rooting for england i just didn't have a clue what was going on so in effect i internationally i would say i support two teams and i don't think at international level there's anything wrong with that no i think that's fine and in fact at club level i've heard stories since i've joined the football tavern that people actually give a very good reason why they might support two teams as well so i i'm a bit less yeah i know i know i know i know but i'm a bit less i'm less tolerant to that so um more tolerant i should say um so ireland versus romania yeah, I should actually get I should actually get my words yeah, out yeah. and say that Ireland Romania is the game. Well, the game I say classic. It, the game's not a classic game. No, the game, <laughs> the game was. I could tell you how poor the game was because I kept going inside and outside. So I used to go outside in the garden to play football a lot yeah. during the Italian ninety, and I really liked Georgie Hadji. I remember Hadji. I really do remember that, and um, so I used to sort of go out in the garden and play the games, whatever. But this game was obviously so crap that I was actually outside playing the game whilst it was going on. Of course, then it gets to penalty shootout. Now, I seem to think that this is, and again, I didn't know it at the time, but this is the first penalty shootout I ever saw. I can't, I can't, you know, I was trying to wrap my brains this morning. I can't think of another one or one that's sort of stuck with me for so long. I think the only other penalty shootout I've probably seen was at a family fun day at school. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, sure that you, know, you know, like, you know, yeah, you know, like when you, you, you sort of take three penalties at yeah. a, a goalkeeper and, and you win a can of Coke or something if you score all three, which I still think to this day is something FIFA should look into. 90s uh, were a simpler time, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, if you give, gave Kevin Cheedy three penalties and he scored all three, then Ireland got through. I think that would have been yeah. fair enough. I mean, England would have won multiple trophies by now. Had that been the case. Yeah. Um, so, the game itself, yeah, rubbish. We came to penalties, fantastic. Um, the Not many people will may have heard this, I don't know, but the, there is the Irish commentary, the RTE commentator. I've heard that, that, yes. Now escapes me. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. From my point of view, it's brilliant. I love it. Not from a Romanian um, point of view. No. Yeah, absolutely. and there was actually someone from Romania who piped up on the football tavern last night and I said, you probably won't like me when you hear my my um, game. But it, so the so we're at four all, basically we've come to the, down to the last two penalties. Tomofte, the Romanian, steps up and so the commentary is fantastic. So he takes the penalty, Bonner saves it, and the commentator tries to be professional but can't keep his emotions but now tries to do it all at the same time so Bonner literally you know saves a penalty and the commentator goes yeah and then just sort of stops and then thinks has to you obviously can tell that he's going nuts in the background but <laughs> he doesn't say he doesn't say anything else yeah so he's, he's almost trying to be too professional when really he should have just let himself go because the commentary would have been fantastic just to hear himself because he was doing no doubt what many people were doing in pubs all over Dublin mm. um, and, and everywhere else. Everywhere else, yeah. yeah. And um, so, uh, and then it comes to David O'Leary, who I knew of David O'Leary at the time. Um, he, you know, played for Arsenal. I mean, they're a pretty big, you know, pretty big outfit. Um, so I knew O'Leary had been there a long time. I, I didn't know at that stage that he'd never taken a penalty before. So to do it in that sort of pressured 
environment is um, pretty spectacular. Um, and the commentator uh, said that, um, and this is quite a famous line in Irish sporting history, he says, the nation holds its breath. And there's a delightful pause. O'Leary takes the penalty. And then he does this sort of yes again. And then the whole of Ireland just seems to run on the pitch and jump on David O'Leary. That's the, the scene I remember. So I've picked that for, not for the game, but more for the, the, yeah. the, the penalties and that commentary and just the general excitement around seeing my first ever penalty shootout. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually contradicting myself now because I do remember watching that at the time. I said earlier, yeah. I, I remember the England games, but I do remember watching that as well. And I, I'm with you. I think that was the first time yeah. I'd seen a penalty or knew what a penalty yeah. was and how exciting that yeah. aspect. Obviously, we've learned in later life that if, you're, if you've got someone in the hunt, then it's not exciting whatsoever. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. It's, it's it was, heartbreaking. But yeah. It was I, a Monday. It was a Monday. I remember it was a Monday afternoon, I think. And it was after, I remember it just being just after school. The game. It was a five o'clock kickoff. I think. Yeah, well, they, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Go, that would that would be right. Yeah. Um, that's only going by Wikipedia. I don't remember that <laughs> completely. I'll be honest, yeah. that wouldn't just spark in my mind. But I think as well is like that Ireland team is again. I'm not saying anything new here. Was just it galvanised, didn't it? It's such under Jackie Jolton. It was just such a good mix of very very good footballers and added touch of not so Irish, but you know, getting in there because of their passport type. But it, together yeah. they had such a you look at I mean I was just looking at the, the team there like they're all standout players like in there you know I think John Aldridge is somebody who's vastly over um, underrated as oh gotcha like a Kevin Sheedy who's been on this show was great you know yeah. Paul McGrath I don't have to tell oh. anyone how brilliant Paul McGrath is even he was player of the year two years later I'll, um, I'll come on to Paul McGrath in a minute we'll, we'll yeah. talk more but yeah I could yeah I remember that and yes it's definitely um a good choice um yeah I think, I'm just gonna oh, sorry I'm just gonna pull you up on one thing not very Irish grandparent sort of thing. You, bearing in mind, bearing in mind, I've just told you all of that about my family. You could but, play for, uh, I could play for Germany. I know it's, it's the law. Could you? Yeah, I've got German yeah. ancestry, so I could have played yeah, they for wouldn't. Germany. Yeah, they, um, would. they wouldn't. They wouldn't want me. Although, wouldn't. man of the match in my five-a-side team last night. Thank oh, well very done. Much. Yeah, scored, uh, scored a beautiful did the, volley. Did the other four not turn up? I, I don't know why. I, I was on some sort of kick last night. I think I, I came back from COVID and I was ready for, you know. Yeah, you were fighting for, back ready for it and i uh, i turned up on the day which is uh, my one once a season wonder i believe but um <laughs> what's, I what's your number four then my number four, sir. yeah again this is a game not quite as personal but also just i got caught in the midst of it i know we were you were trying to guess what games i was going to go for mm. this is my usa 94 game now there are many i love usa 94 i've said this many times i don't have to tell you about the the kit because everyone knows how much I love the kit. The state. You can't see it on my screen, but it's hanging up but, um, in my office. Um, and I could have picked many moments, games for USA 94. Obviously, Bulgaria beating Germany is a massive game for yeah. the tournament, which I remember yeah. going mental at when Jordan Lenchkov got that header and Germany is, were gone. And funny enough, this is the one I thought you were going to pick. Yeah, no, that was a massive yeah. moment, definitely. And, and I'm a big fan of the Holland-Brazil game as mm. well. That was a great game. It's the and the blue kit, which is one of my favourite kits of all time as well, the Brazil kit. But the one game that I I loved at the time, I've loved going back to, and it's just because it sums up why I loved USA 94. There was no worry of England being involved because we had no the pressure, you know, they hadn't qualified. I really loved Brazil, loved that Brazil team. I, I don't know how I got hold of it, but I had a Brazil shirt for that tournament. Like, really? yeah, I had the Brazil home shirt with the big green collar and the, the badge that was embossed in, in the fabric. Um, I remember I've got this image, you know, you have snapshots of your childhood that look like photos in your mind. I've got mm -hmm. a photo of me sitting in Mr. Winstone's class year 
Yes, it. That would right. be. Yeah. Wearing, Hello, Mr. Winston. Hello, listening. Mr. Winston, if you're listening. Yeah. One of my favourite teachers as well. He Wearing this shirt. So I don't know if I had PE that day or it was a non-uniform day, but I went to school wearing that Brazil shirt. Right. And I was so proud of it. So I almost adopted Brazil, luckily, yeah. <laughs> as my team because they won the whole bloody thing. But, you know, I loved Bibeto. I loved Lomario. I loved that whole team. Yeah. And then they got to the quarterfinals. And the other aspect, or was it the second round, sorry, uh, that I loved about that tournament was the hosts. Like, I yeah. loved this obscurity that USA were hosting it. I'm a big Pat fan of Americana. That's why I covered WWE so much. And I got into that spirit of America. I got into that team, that kit, Alexi Lalas, Roy Wegley was part of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, it left QPR by that point. Um, you know, names like Kobe Jones and, you know, Thomas Dooley, Tab Ramos. It was like... It just it was just so American, and I loved that team. And that the two of them clashed for that second round game. We're yeah. still in Stanford, right. in Connecticut, July fourth, Independence Day as well. Wow, couldn't write it any better. You know that is proper Americana. That's that's Feist, the tournament favourites on Independence Day, and they were huge underdogs. The states because at this point, you know, this isn't the America we see now. That you go into a tournament thinking, oh, that could be tricky. They they were pretty much fodder at this point. They were just hosting the tournament looking to relaunch the MLS at the time. And then they clashed with Brazil. And you know what? They gave them a ruddy good game as well. It took 72 minutes for Bebeto to get the winning goal. Leonardo got sent off. I don't know if you remember that. Elbow yeah, I remember. Yeah. That was, funny enough, it's, it's amazing what comes back to you that yeah. you don't, I don't think, I haven't thought about this game in, well, probably since that day. Yeah. Was that on Ramos, I think? Tab, I think it was, was it Ramos. Tab Ramos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was a yeah. proper... Yeah, it was a proper brutal. Even yeah. for those days, you're kind of like, "Oh, that hurt," and I think yeah. quite out of character. I mean, I'm not saying I'm gonna, I'm a complete, and I know much of Leonardo's career post yeah. USA '94, but yeah, it was just the pageantry of the event and the game yeah. and these two like almost team of superstars, which they were. You know, Dunga was in that team as well. Yeah. You know, and fabulous player. And against a team of like, I've never heard of these players and they've got a centre-back who wants to be a rock star more than he wants to be a footballer with this big ginger mop and beard. And my old hero is on the bench and there's a guy called Eric Winalda. I mean, Eric Winalda, oh yeah, the go-to American footballer of the time. So I just, for me, I was trying to encapsulate USA 94 and I could have gone for the baby rocking. I could have gone for, you know, games in Nigeria. I could have gone. There's so many moments of that tournament that I love. Baggio, Again, I know you're a big fan of Badger. There was moments. I am, yeah. You know, Klinsman was great in that tournament. Skoichkov, Haji. There was so many of what I loved. But yeah, that kind of game just encapsulated USA 94 for me. So yeah, that's why I've picked that. Again, that might seem on the hipster side, but it does take me back to that tournament and why two versions of it that I love. So yeah. that's and my number four. No, that's, a, that's a great, that's a really, really good choice. And it's not, again, I mean, we, we put this out on Twitter, didn't we? There's not. I don't think there was one person that came up with that game. I don't think I don't think that game was amazing from a kind of technical point of view or anything kind of exciting, but it was just that whole like you've described it perfectly there, that whole yellow kitted Brazil against kind of I think it was red and white yeah, USA or whatever. A few games they wore the because yeah. they wore that away kit that I love most yeah. of the tournament. Yeah, and, and it was just, you know, I think it was like really bright sunshine. It was just, I think it had the backdrop, and I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good explanation. Yeah. I'll go a bit more mainstream for the next three, but go on, what's your number three? <laughs> I feel, well, I feel um, I feel like I've gone completely mainstream now <laughs> in comparison to yours. Um, so we're going to stay in America, actually. So USA 94, this is 
I can assure you this is the last island game. Um, <laughs> what island so, game could it possibly be? Uh, well, I can tell you it won't be the one against Mexico or Holland <laughs> uh, or Norway, which was the most boring game ever. Um, it, obviously, it's the island Italy game in the, yeah. the, the giant stadium in uh, New Jersey. Um, and the worst roly-poly of all time. Yeah, Ray Houghton, God bless him. Um, but obviously... Um, and mostly that was, you know, it was a great goal. It was a great moment again in, 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 you know, Ireland's sporting, sporting history. And at that time, I think Ireland was still, you know, you were talking about uh, Italian IT. Ireland was still a very, very good, um, very good side. Um, I think going into that tournament, there was a, a lot of pressure on the Irish because England weren't there. Yeah, um, yeah. Scotland weren't there. And obviously Wales had unfortunately, you know, not qualified either. Um, after coming so close and I don't think Jack liked that very much I think he liked being sort of away from the press and away from the the whole sort of hype around it and I think the tournament was quite hyped and you know because the Premier League had been in existence everything just seemed a bit more hyper than Italian 90 maybe Um, that's my perception of it Um, but um, I mean to to talk about a a one-man performance Paul McGrath's performance in Mm defence that night Almost took, I mean, with no disrespect to the other defenders, because, you know, like for Dennis Irwin and other fabulous players, but it was almost like McGrath was doing everything. You know, he was there, tackles, uh, headers, you know, last minute blocks. You know, he epitomised that performance. I mean, Ireland are never going to claim to be as good as that Italy team. So if they were going to beat them, there was going to be a lot of hard work and a bit of fortune as well. And it all came together. Um, so I've picked I've picked it because it was such a great win, and it was the Ireland Ireland's first game of that World Cup. Yeah. I've also picked it as well. Again, you know, we were talking about favourite things and personal things. Um, so this game, my dad decided to invite four or five mates round um, for the game. You know, like getting the old cheap beers or whatever, and, and sit sit around. I think the wives were all there as well, and so obviously they had kids. So it was almost like kids were upstairs watching football in the TV, on the little TV, if they wanted it. And then the adults were all downstairs having adult conversations and, you know, what have you. And um, so I've explained at the start that I have an Irish family. So naturally, you you know, you, you're pulled into, and there's a, there is a point to this story, you're pulled into, like, the sort of Catholic faith. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm overly religious, and my parents were overly religious, but that grandparent level were. So you were kind of brought up on that, on that. And um, so my, so my godfather is actually a very old priest that my dad, like my, my grandparents knew, and all that sort of stuff. And um, cut a long story short, he had another priest that was working with him at the time who came to be the priest in our local area. And he rang my dad up and said, oh, you know, um, Bill, his name's Bill. And, you know, obviously they call him Father, like Father Bill. And he says, um, you know, Bill, Bill's moving just, just up the road from you. Um, and you've met Bill. You know, he, 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 he likes a bit of football and stuff. And dad went, oh, well, yeah, I remember Bill. Yeah. And um, so he invited Bill round, right? <laughs> Good old Bill. Right. So, yeah, it's absolutely true, this story. So he brings, so Father Bill comes round, but he's not wearing like the dog collar or anything. He's just wearing a sort of black shirt and black jeans or whatever, you know, you know not doing the day job. And uh, so he comes around and he, he joins in the chat. And he was actually a Millwall supporter, right? You know, which is 
you know, maybe as far from removed from a priest as you can get. But <laughs> he, time, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. So they're all sitting around chatting, and, and someone said, oh, Bill, who do you support then? He said, oh, Bill Wall. And, of course, the conversation gets onto football, you know, Sheringham and Cascarino and all that sort of stuff. And then, um, and then someone says, oh, yeah, do you remember the trouble at, you know, Luton? And do you remember all that? And Bill's like, um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't there that day. And, you know, it's very sort of... Mm. Right, so at this point, Dad knows, obviously, that he's a priest, but all the other lads don't. <laughs> so they're all chatting away as if he's like Bill from down the pub, and he's a lovely guy. And um, anyway, the match finished. Everyone's celebrating. As you can imagine, a house like that, it's all celebrating. And uh, after about 10 minutes, Bill says, look, um, thanks for the invitation, but I've, I've got to head off because I'm, obviously I'm working in the morning. And my dad says, of course, yeah, you've got, you've got, you've got work in the morning. And... Um, so Bill, so he shakes Bill's hand and Bill leaves. And one of the other guys, he said, he said, oh, what a lovely fella Bill was. You know, he's a lovely guy. Surprised he had to go. Look, he's got work in the morning. And he said, what's he, what's he doing? Does he run a news agent or something? <laughs> and my, and my, dad, my dad just left it. A perfect comic timing. And went, no, nah, he's a priest. And the, the, the look on their faces when they realised that this, they, this guy that they'd been swearing in yeah, front yeah. of and sort of maybe talking about women or, yeah, you, know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like doing laddish kind of things. They were like, you never told us he was an effing priest. And, and, and um, so but Bill came round again for the, uh, the Holland game in the uh, last 16. Uh, I think it was Holland. And uh, it, God must have been on annual leave that day because um, Ireland were terrible. And... Um, and and home they went from USA ninety four and Jack well, Jack Shelton probably should have gone at that point. Yeah, possibly. I think, yeah. I think if the Euro ninety six hadn't been in England, um, because I think he wanted to have a crack at that, um, I think he would have gone at that stage. But so yeah, that's my long winded but reason for having Ireland versus Italy. Yeah, no, I mean, again, USA 94, another great moment from that tournament. It was funny because you meant, yeah, they were, they became England Mark II, didn't they? Because there was no England, but exactly. I didn't take to Ireland. I was always Brazil. I don't know if the, the yeah, non-glory hunter in me, being a QPR fan, thought, sod it, I'm going to support a team that might win something. And obviously yeah. they, they ended up doing so. Um, my next game, I like I said, I've gone a bit more mainstream. And as I said earlier, we're going to talk about Cameroon and I'm going to talk about him right now. It's England, Cameroon. It's Eng- it's 1990, Sunday, 1st of July. A game in Naples. And I think it's a game. I think I put it up there because I think it's the first time in my footballing life that I knew of Jeopardy. That's what I always, that's what it always stands out for me. Like through all that, I remember, obviously, the Platt Belgium game. And that goal was one of my favourite goals of all time. Um, and I remember the goal, but I don't remember fearing losing as much as I do mm-hmm. with with this game. And I think because it was such a, high drama possibly the best game overall of that world cup in terms of if you're a neutral you're going that had a bit of everything a lot of drama in it as well um because it was a very defensive world cup as well everyone forgets about italian 90 we've got kind of rose tinted glasses about it because it's our first world cup but actually it was low on actual game quality it was more moment quality um usa 94 suffered slightly to that as well but yeah this you know England were beginning to get ahead of steam against this unknown team, as we mentioned earlier, Cameroon and that kit as well. I really, I love the big collar of the Cameroon kit. Still one of mine, the big lion on the, because it almost looked like not a real kit. It looked like a market stall kit, but because yeah. they must have at the time didn't have a proper kit deal because yeah. there was such a new nation of playing football. Hmm. But with England took the lead, David Platt again, Stu, yeah. 
he took the label. I think it was a, glo- a header. I think I believe a really good, lovely header. header yeah, yeah. And then, but after that, England went like in the second half. They went two goals down, and yeah. we're half with twenty minutes or so to go. They were going out of the World Cup, and even at that age, I, I, I that was my first kind of feeling of oh, we're going to lose, and there won't be another game after it. We don't, won't win this tournament, and it, I remember it's just the first time I just remember that. And then it's kind of like the second act of that game where I'd already slightly become obsessed with Gary Lineker because he was the goal scorer. And as a kid, that's what you do. You you yeah. lean to the guy that scores the goals as yeah. as Gary, definitely Gary Lineker was at the time. And we got the two penalties, you know, firstly in the 83rd minute that sent the game into extra time. And then I think it was sort of what, 10 minutes into the extra time period as well when we got the second penalty as well. And that added more drama because not only was now was Lineker doing it once, we had to do it twice, which I think is always difficult for a penalty taker. Like, where do you put it? And I think yeah. the second one, he just smashes down the middle because I think he thinks, well, I've I've gone to one corner already. Mm. I, don't, I think he tries to play mind games with the goalie. Yeah. Um, and so he just smashes down the middle and, and eventually England do get through. But it's just, I just think it's a, just a great game of up and down and how to how football can be topsy-turvy. I remember Gaz's little, you know, run as well, where he got one of the penalties, just, and the celebrations afterwards. And one of the, my biggest memories of it as well, then is re-watching it. I had a VHS, I must've got it for Christmas, I would imagine, which was England's glory. Oh, Gas, no, it was Gascoigne's glory I had. Yeah. was one video. And then England's Italia 90 review, which was, I think it was Brian Moore reviewing the whole tournament England. And the, the music they put under this game just made it feel excuse me, even more yeah. of a of a drama. And it's always stuck out with me that the angles they used, and I think Gary Lineker does an interview afterwards, I can still see him as well, buckets of sweat, and, and they're saying, oh, you know, that must have been the penalties and stuff. So I just think it's a great game. And it just, I think it taught me a lesson as a young football fan to, you know, not rest on your laurels. And, you know, God, did I ever you learn that as, as you go along in football life. But yeah, great game and just means a lot to me. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's a really good I think that's a really good one because um Jeopardy, that was a good word by the way. I think that's a I think that's a I, fair I, that's I, a I, fair would, I like to say at this point I am a writer for a living, so every now and then yeah. I do come out with a word. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think um I think in, in some kind of strange way, I don't know if this was, was for you as well, but you sort of I mean, people were listening to this thinking how many bloody teams can Ed Chambers have? But I you kind of almost adopted fan. you almost kind of adopted Cameroon because of the Roger Miller thing. You know, I mean, you know, if if you scored a goal on a playground it was you were doing the old you know, the Roger Miller sort of wiggle and, and you know, I remember that game I remember that game clearly. I mean from a QPR point of view, you had Paul Parker playing. We did. You must have been yeah. fairly more you know, it was kind of QPR linked there yeah. as well. And um yeah, Cameroon were a, a decent I think Cameroon were a lot I think times have changed. I think Cameroon were a lot better than maybe the pundits kind of gave them credit for. Um, I seem to recall, God bless him, um, Bobby Moore, I think, before the game, they, he was on ITV's panel or something. They sort of, sort of, and he kind of, his analysis was kind of, if England get this right, it will be 2 or 3 nil, and it's kind of, we're on to, to the semi-finals and probably, yeah. probably Germany. And I think it shocked the commentators and the pundits back in the studio. I think Bobby Moore was actually in Italy at the time, but it it, it shocked the the uh, the you know the knowledgeable folk um, completely because Cameroon were a really good side. They weren't just about booting Canadra up no. in the air; they actually could play. Um, I should say because um, I know hopefully he'll be listening. And there's Peter who writes into the football tavern all the time. He absolutely loves Peter Shilton. 
So yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, Derby, so Pete, a Derby fan, yeah. Pete's, yeah. Pete's a big Derby fan, and um, he loves um, Peter Shilton. So to give Shilton some credit, he did keep England in it mm. at 2 1 yeah, because did, it could yeah. quite easily have been 3 1. Um, so, you know, to give Shilton a bit of credit there. But yeah, I remember like the dancing at the end was it Butcher and yeah. Wobble, maybe? Yeah. And, and the arms in the air, yeah. yeah well, did one of them have a Cameroon shirt on? I think they did, yeah. I think they did. Waddle did, yeah, and yeah, I remember that really well. It was a great, it was a great game, yeah. And and as you say, I think it was probably the best of that. Probably yeah. the best. Of England that. do have that habit of having, which we'll, again we'll probably talk about later. But they do seem yeah. to be involved in the most eventful games of the tournament. Let's say. Yeah. Um, well, I think you, you. Sorry, just to touch on one last thing you mentioned about Lineker and the penalties. I heard that story recently from Lineker that. He was practicing the night before, and then there was a spy apparently in yeah, the I've stadium story, yeah. from Cameroon, and someone said it to him and said, "Start putting them in the other corner." Yeah. So obviously, when heard him came, about that, yeah, you know, when it came to that crunch moment, luckily, well, not luckily, thank goodness, he, you know, he was able to slot both of them away, and we were off to the semi-final. Yeah, number two, Mister Ed, what, what is your penultimate choice? Uh, number two, I have gone for uh, England versus Spain. Oh. In 1996, it's another penalty shootout. So yeah, because another, another game that wasn't great. Yeah, and and yeah, so maybe there's just something in me that that sort of uh, sort you of love the drama, Ed, don't you? Yeah, perhaps I just love the the love the penalties. I mean, I was to be honest with you, like when I was looking at this list, I could have gone for like the you know some of the other games, which perhaps we'll come on to in a minute, which are quite you know are quite very very exciting as well. You could pick any game, really. Could Absolutely, you? and any any game from that tournament actually. Yeah. Um, let alone um, you know, just England games. There's so many others. Uh, England v Spain. Um, so just a quick personal one again because this is a personal choice. Um, you know, as a kid, we we weren't very well off we didn't really go on long exotic holidays or anything like that you know there's always kids in your class or whatever off to florida or wherever we didn't have any of that and we my first foreign holiday was a euro camp if you you know like the old mobile homes and um oh, yeah, yeah. it was in um northern france and my mum booked it like about a year before Euro 96. But of course, if my dad would have been left in charge, he would have sat down and tried to work out <laughs> where England were playing. So um, so she booked it. And then we worked out that when, you know, England qualified for the for the quarterfinals, that, you know, we would be away. But then we had to sort of sit down and go, right, we're there on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday. We're not coming back to Monday. So it's all, you know, it's all good. It's all good. We're going to get to, we're going to get to see it over there. So we watched it in this bar in this camp. Euro camp camp site, and there was a few English other like a few other English fans in there, so it kind of made for a little bit of an atmosphere. I think we got chatting to some some Reading fans and stuff like that, and we're all we're all watching the game. But of course, the reason I've picked this, and I hope you know, pretty obvious, is the the Stuart Pearce yeah. moment. Now, there are you know there are obviously players that care passionately about playing for England. You know, Mister England. You know, like the the butcher of Terry types, you know, and sometimes you think, oh, it's it's sometimes it might be for more bravado and for show. This was one man's redemption from yeah, something that's that the word, yeah, six years earlier. And uh, thanks, I'm not a writer for a living, but <laughs> um, but Stuart, so you know, Stuart Pierce walks from the walks from the center spot to the you know to the penalty spot, and I've read Stuart Pierce's book actually, and. He kind of thinks that, you know, like how must his family have been thinking mm. at that stage? Like his wife, particularly, the one that 
has to live with him and put up with him every day for the last six years. Um, and you know, he made a, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a penalty. He made, he made, it's not a mistake, but it, it's something that obviously lived with him to that point. So he takes the penalties. And I don't think, even to this day, I don't think I've ever wanted somebody to score a penalty as much, maybe, mm-hmm. um, just like on a personal level, because you knew what it meant to them personally, because not only did it mean something to them, it also meant something to you. And so Pierce takes this penalty, slots it away, and the reaction, I suppose, is where I'm going with the Mr. England thing. I don't think that was a Mr. England reaction. No, it was relief. It was absolute, that, yeah. That was six years of pent up frustration and anger, um, feeling that he had let his country down, which he hadn't, mm. be, you know, realistically. I mean, no, Chris Waddle had, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest, he hadn't. But, you know, he, but he, he always carried that burden around with him. Yeah. And that's clear, that's clear from his book. You can tell it was a big cloud. Of, so to score then, and then not only to do that, to then have the bottle to do it again in the semi-final. I love, I almost love the semi-final celebration more. Yeah, so do I. Because it's kind of half, but it's almost like a knowing smile to go, yeah, yeah I've done it again. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I've almost yeah. put a full stop. Like, you got the outcry of, of Spain, which is such an iconic image. Exactly. But, I mean, the Germany one's almost just like, yeah, I've got yeah. them. And I think at that point, it I think we all thought we were going through as well. There's an element yeah. we've got them. We've got them this yeah, time, obviously. For the, for the first time ever. Yeah. And then, I mean, well, going back from my earlier earlier point, if Stuart Pearce would have got another penalty, he would have obviously got a can of coke out of it from the yeah. family. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you're running through this. Yeah. Well, well, honestly, FIFA, get in touch. And um, so, yeah, it, I, I picked that because the, the, the bar then sort of erupted with Pearce, but we hadn't won at that stage. Yeah. It was still in the balance, and obviously Dave Seaman goes and does what does, yeah, and and then it erupts again, and like everyone's cheering, everyone's celebrating, and then that night was uh, France versus the Dutch at Anfield, and um, so you know everybody we'd only met that day that lunchtime, but everyone was like, yeah, let's come back later on and watch it again. So like most people sort of turned up again, watch it again, watch the the France. The France game, but at this point, there's a lot of French and Dutch people in there, mm-hmm. right? And um, obviously, that game goes to penalties, and the French go through. And like, there's been a lot of sort of dodgy referee decisions, a bit of back and forth from the French and the Dutch, and you know, typical English sort of, it's going to kick off here, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's going to go. But they actually, and I always remember this, they actually sort of walked over to one another and just sort of shook hands and wished each other the best for the rest of the tournament and went their merry way. I, as a 13-year-old, I was a bit disappointed that there wasn't sort of bottles and chairs flying about the place. But, um, but no, it was, yeah, it was, a great, it was a great moment of where I watched it as, as a kid. And it was just great for Stuart Pearce. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I always tell the story of that after that game, I went to uh, Welling, where I used to live, um, uh-huh. to get a McDonald's, I think, me and my dad. And there's two pubs on either side of the of the high street as you go into Welling. that They're, they're no longer there, but they didn't used to get on, basically. Right. Um, but for that day, and I never, I don't know if it's ever happened since. Well, it wouldn't now because the pub's not there. One of them's a Tesco's. But at the time, they didn't get on. But you drove through and there were... The, there were crowds in you couldn't get through they'd yeah. covered the road the two pubs had yeah. merged football was coming home and we'll you know we're going to talk about this again in a minute but mm-hmm. it was just one of those yeah and, and that summer um but before we talk let me get my number two out of the way yeah go on because number one is going to be an obvious because we don't mention it it'd be why would we ever talk about a 90s football podcast um my number two is it's weird because it's an england defeat but it's such an iconic game 
um, from, from I'm going to France 98 now. Um, right. it's, okay. the, it's basically the Argentina game. I'm not going to uh-huh. build it up. Yeah. Um, because, yes, we lost and it was a devastating loss because I still think, actually, I think there's a, of 90 and 96 as well. I, st- I think that team could have gone on and won the tournament. But it was, I think that took, I think being 15-ish at the time, this one probably hurt more because I was more understanding of the football world. I was obviously, you know, you're more mature to a certain element. Um, I yep. watched this at my girlfriend's house as well, which in retrospect, I'm very disappointed that I was sat in a room with just my girlfriend and her sister who wanted to watch Roseanne instead of watching England versus Argentina in a World Cup quarterfinal, mm-hmm. which um, yeah, okay. I think she eventually went downstairs in a half, so... <laughs> two fingers to her yeah. um but it just this again it's a bit like i'm saying i like the drama as well because again i think it's probably one of the best games of the tournament i really was close to che- che- uh, choosing the Burkamp goal but i think for me it's a goal more than a game that yeah, absolutely. Like, i love that goal it's probably outside of a trevor sinclair goal the best goal of the decade um and i'm talking to you sashin who doesn't think it is um <laughs> yeah. but that game had again had everything literally had everything in that game you know you, it was you were one up you were two down you had the, this 18 year old announced himself to the world i was already an owen fan and this became mm-hmm. an even bigger owen fan you had penalties you had the the silliest red card from the guy who's going to be like this iconic football map or not even football just name in the world to be but this was his you know moment of what have you done david then you had the goal disallowed where we all went mental from Sol campbell where he was yeah. you know, to this day i still don't think that's a push on the reference era and yeah. then you had the again another heartbreaking penalty shootout, and probably two guys that don't get as much stick, which rightfully so as well. Penalties are penalties, but you don't really hear you know batty innings don't get as much limelight thrown on them. I think because of the David Beckham sending off, um, as much as you, as we as we hear about Southgate '96, and as we talked just about Waddle and Pierce in, in Italian '90, but I, I just it, the topsy turviness of it, the Michael Owingness of it i remember the next morning i had to do my paper round at the time i was doing a paper round at my local news agents and i just didn't want to get up like i didn't want to get up most <laughs> mornings but i didn't i didn't want to look at the newspaper i was so heartbroken yeah. that this team that i believed that and you look at that team it's it's such a good team such a good manager we you know we spoke to glenn uh hoddle uh, a few yeah. episodes ago and he will tell you how well that he thought that team would do you know you had that great night in italy as well to qualify which i think some of the people on Twitter have mentioned as one of their games in the nineties as well, which was a great moment. But I just think that game had absolutely every, and that I always remember the headline. I think maybe the daily mirror, that's 10 heroic lions, one stupid boy. It was the front page of of one of the newspapers I was delivering that morning. And it just, it really, yeah, it cut me deep that one. And Mm. it feels weird to pick that as one of my favorite or memorable, but I just, Uh, I think I was at an age where it was just, it meant so much. Yeah. The game had so much and I was really, it was such a good team a mix of 96 and then you had these new lads like skulls owen beckham even anderton had come in another step over as well you know yeah. covered from whatever injury to be fit in time for a world cup as he did just a uh, just a great great game of of topsy-turvy football as well and you know, that without even mentioning argentina and the, the bass Jutas and the zanetti yeah. Yeah. that they had on that team as well so yeah, yeah argentina england sedetian i didn't even look that up but that's yeah, i think i think it was yeah i think it was yeah yeah, yes, I've got it there. Yeah, it was Setetian. Yeah, yeah, that was a real. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you used the phrase topsy turvy there. I mean, that was a real topsy turvy game because obviously being one 0 down two one up, and then that sort of class. I still think it's a great work free kick yeah. from um, the. I think it's Zanetti that scores it. I yeah, think, it to make it two each, and that's like half time. Like we've got to like first forty five minutes, and it's and it's two all. And um, 
I, you, you say about like growing up and stuff, I think, you know, you know, like 15 ish, as you said at the time. And in my sort of sort of teenage years, I used to go to the pub sometimes with my dad and his mates. So it was almost like a pub education of watching football yeah, yeah, in a pub. Yeah. And even, funny enough, even now, my dad doesn't really watch football in a pub. He doesn't like it. He likes to sit down and sort of in the I always remember you watch, say that. I love that. Watch, you know, and watch and actually hear the game because he doesn't yeah. like, he just, he just doesn't like listening to people's views really yeah i always be when i'm on a train and i could hear yeah. talk about football and yeah. they say something i don't opinions fine i can live with opinions but if they get something factually wrong yeah they want to go, no 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 no, no, no. yeah you sound like the cleverest man in the room i know it's just it's, part of my personality yeah no so yeah so we watched but we watched it apart it was a friday night wasn't it and um and the Owen goal, I always, what I always find bizarre about the Owen goal, and I could watch it a million times, right, is what is that defender doing on the six-yard line? He's about 30 yards behind everybody else. Yeah. I've never... I, yeah. I, like, I've still not seen it in... Um, like, I'd like to watch, maybe watch the game back, if you know what I mean, to actually see why he's there. Um, I've never really understood that. But also, the disallowed goal was uh, soft, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. He's soft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so as I say, watching it in the pub, um, my one of my dad's mates, um, Eddie, he's about six foot five, and he's 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 a well built individual, or was, you know, twenty odd years ago, and um, he picked me up when the because the pub's going crazy when Campbell the Campbell wasn't it scored that disallowed goal, yeah. Yeah. and he's he's picked me up and he's basically thrown me in the air, but there was a fan above my head and i was about well obviously people can't see it but i was an inch or two away from hitting it and i jumped out he went to throw me again went, no 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 no, don't throw me again don't throw me and i think a few other people realized what had happened I thought, don't throw me again and of course then we look up and it's been it's been bloody disallowed so um yeah that's a that's a good um that's a good one and i think you need to i think you need to learn to i'll come on to this in a minute as well i think i think you need to learn to cope with the, the sort of disappointment yeah, i think the older you well, get well. Um, if England lose, if England's, I mean, like the Euros in the summer, obviously very disappointed that they lost. I don't, I think it took me less time to get over yeah. it than I would have done 15, 20 years ago. Although I say that, and when I, I still get over it. Well, we're not, I, I was never really, <laughs> we're talking modern football now. Yeah. I was talking and quoting friends. I was never really under it. Like, yeah. I'm disappointed. I, I'm more frustrated that I, and this is boring because everyone's heard me talk about this before, but. I think the game, I don't know if you'll get, the England would get that opportunity again to yeah. be in a final. At, I mean, at home helps. And that yeah. opening 20 minutes where Italy were stunned, Italy yeah. were gone. Like yeah. if, they, if England had gone for, gone for leather, got a second yeah. goal, game's over. Yeah. One, the one, you, one more goal, the referee would have, you know, if it was a boxing match sort of thing. They were, absolutely, yeah. they were, that 20 minutes was like watching a different team. They couldn't pass the yeah. ball. And the, yeah. the longer they game, they let him, you knew what was yeah. coming. But yeah. that's for another day. Um, yeah. Drum roll, please, Mr. Chambers. What is your favourite international game of the 1990s? Um, oh, now, I haven't gone for favourite. I've gone for memorable. Yeah, slash, fine. Memorable, because it's not favourite um, at all. Um, it's uh, Turin, uh, 1990, England yeah. versus West Germany. Uh, so, I, so, obviously, we're, we're, you and I are still young, very young at yeah. that point. And um, I think, so bear with me on this one, I think, you know, when you start going out, like when you're older, like 16, 17, you start sort of getting into alcohol and you start going to pubs and stuff like that. I think 
I still sort of have this belief that at that age, like a hangover is good for you. Yeah. Right. Because it means that, you know, you've, you sort of learned not to, um, you know, you've sort of learned not to sort of go out drinking every day of the week. You know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. learn that there's a, there's a consequence. And with football, I think that you, at some point you have to have a disappointment and learn that there is a disappointment and that it's not all plain sailing and brilliant last minute David Platt goals and great wins against Cameroon. I think you need to learn that it's not like that. No, obviously we learned that quite young. This is the Oof. biggest game. This is the biggest game since 1966. But it yeah. set it set us up for the rest of the decade and obviously beyond. As an England fan, it definitely as an England fan, <laughs> as an England fan, yeah, to, to know that um, success isn't given. You, like, can you imagine if England would have won that World Cup? We would have kind of, as a kid, you would have thought that it was always like this. Yeah. With, um, you know, and you know, Sachin was on the other week, and he would sort of talk about Liverpool and how we, you know, how Liverpool waited thirty years. For a trophy, for the league title, and he waited a long time to see that. Uh, you know, it's not like you see it every every year. Um, so I've picked the game because um, I remember. I remember um, again. I'm, you know, my dad's quite a big influence on me watching football. Um, he wanted to get some. I think he went, He was watching at home, and he wanted to get some cans in for the for the game. And I went to the shop with him, and I think we drove past the pub, and there was literally people spilling out onto the pavement trying to see the big screen in the pub. And I think then at that point I got a sense of wow this is massive, like this is yeah. a really big game. Um, so again, obviously penalties is quite a big thing for me throughout all of this, and it goes to penalties, and unfortunately it goes the wrong way. And I think, you know, I think that's the first time I ever cried at the end of a football match. Yeah, I was um, about to say I cried. Yeah, and I, th I think the next time I cried over England was when they appointed Steve McLaren, but that's. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so for those reasons, really, not to—I mean, with, you know, everyone knows what happened. Um, That—that's kind of my my first memorable memorable yeah. one. I'm yeah. gonna go with that. I kind of echo everything you say because I'm I'm exactly the same. I remember watching it and seeing Model cut his hair. That's always my first memory when they used to go when they went down the line when they did that lineup at the beginning. I always I could just, again another photo in my mind is me. My dad's in the armchair and I'm kind of yeah. kneeling on the floor right in front of the telly and I'm like oh. He's cut his hair. That's the first thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The magic went because if he hadn't cut his hair, I don't think that shot would have hit the post. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or he would have scored the penalty. Obviously. Um, yeah. yeah. No. You look. That was heartbreak. I did cry. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Again, another great game. That's what I mean. England were always involved in eventful yeah, games. Like yeah. Paul yeah, it's never dull. Never dull. Now you mentioned Paul Park. He was, you know, unfortunate for the goal as well. And Peter Shilton, Lineker's equaliser. It was just, yeah. It, again, it had a, it had a lot going for it. Obviously, Gaza's tears as well, which became the iconic image, I would say, of the decade and happened in the first year. But there's so much to unpack um, on that game. Thankfully, I'm going to leave this on an absolutely uplifting note because I'm picking Hurrah. the most obvious game as an England fan, and I know we've got listeners from all over. The, the home nations and, and beyond but you know we predominantly talk about England on here um England Holland Euro 96 yeah. I don't have to give it a bit I mean you, again I said earlier you could have been, I haven't mentioned the Scotland game which is obviously a massive game in that tournament as well and that Germany game again had a lot going uh, one of the better games of the tournament and could have gone a different way if Gaza had size 10 boots to the size 8 and all that but that Holland game is just and we're not going to say anything revolutionary now it's just uh one of the most complete performances I've ever seen from yeah. an England team at its very height uh, in a summer where 
as I we joke about this all the time on here, but if you weren't around, in the, it's hard to put into words why 1990. And I was only 13. I, I wish I a little bit that I was a little bit older so I could get even more into the you know the drinking pub spirit that my was probably around at the time. But 1996 had the best music. 1996 felt like the hottest summer there'd ever been. It felt like the movies and the TV was the best it'd ever been. It's just, it felt like, and this this kind of performance just summed it up. It's just England playing a brilliant Dutch side. That's not getting it wrong. I know they didn't really get their SHIT together during yeah. most of the tournaments, but this was a frightening Dutch team with names up and down the team that were world-class superstars. And we absolutely played them off the park. That some of the football they played, you know, the, the classic gold. Shearer's was it his second because he had the penalty, didn't he? The yeah. second where he smashed it into the top corner. Yeah. Unbelievable. Vicar Richards says on the Match of the Day show that he skanked, which really annoys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah, which I love because I, yeah. I've, I've I've met Alan Shearer a few times and he's a bit take it or leave it for me. Um, but yeah, it's just a, yeah, the, everyone had a great game. The the front two were in, uh, amazing. Gaza was at his Gaza. Gascoigne was amazing that night. And it's just, yeah, it's just a game I didn't think as an England fan you it, it has 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 it ever been better? I don't know. You know, it, uh, Germany probably five one in Munich. Maybe, maybe. Um, no, I think for me, I think it is the most complete. I say absolutely blitzed them for that 15, 20 minutes at the start yeah. of the second half. And I think, funny enough, you know, the, the next time I saw an England performance where they controlled a big nation at the height of their powers, like you were saying, the Dutch were world-class, was actually probably the first half in that Euro final last year. Because I remember thinking, wow, the Italians have been really, really good throughout this tournament. And then suddenly, England have kind of really dictated the tempo like they did that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, they didn't sustain it, whereas that team did sustain it and um, absolutely you know, pulled Holland apart. There's probably people listening thinking, how have you two picked? 10 games and not mention the Scotland game and the Gaza goal. Yeah, it's true. But, get, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think when you talk Euro 96, you can just talk about, like I said earlier, you pick the Spain game, but you, yeah. you can pick any game. And I think that one, I watched it. I remember again, another game of my photo thing I've been saying, I was watching it in my room on my telly on my desk with my best mate. And we were just like throwing things in the air, even at that age. And just, I don't know. I love the Scotland game, but I just think the Holland game was such a statement. No, I agree. Ten, and again, I think at that point we all thought this is it. Football's coming home. Yeah, use an overused cliche now, but at yeah. that point it was <laughs> it was all new to us, and we were singing yeah. and video on skin, and that's why you know I'm a, my summer with Des is one of my favourite things to watch. If anyone ever remembers that, which I hark on about, and we will do a review of it one day. I keep saying it, got it on my desktop because that encapsulates that feeling so well of that of that summer, and yeah, it's just an unbelievable performance from an unbelievable England team and a manager who I loved as well, like Terry Venables, especially coming from a QPR point of view as well, a hero for us, but a great England manager and a great England performance. And then there are many more that I thought of, not yeah. necessarily for number one. Um, yeah. and there are many more that have been put on Twitter as well that we should, that probably we've missed. Um, I, I love that someone put the Anderson England, Sweden guy. Yeah, I saw that. Broke up because yeah. it was a great and, game. It's a great game. Yeah. I love the unbroke up because I was, yeah. I, I've said before, I was at a couple of games because it was around my birthday and I was treated yeah. to a couple of games and it remains. Someone, someone else put the Olympic final between. Yeah, Nova very Nova niche. Yeah, very niche. That. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, there was Wait, a, I mean, obviously. England, the... France, 92. Yeah, first ever game, but I think I've spoke about that a lot. And to be honest, yeah. I don't remember that much about it. It was yeah. more like the fact I mean, that it was my first proper football game that I ever went to. 
um, Shearer. And funny enough, I'm talking about match of the day countdown. I think they talked about that game the other night when I was watching it. Because yeah. um, Shearer and Shearer, that won't happen anymore. Shearer and Lineker yeah. <laughs> um, played together for, what, I think, only one or two times they played together. But yeah, yeah but those are, I think we picked some great games there, sir. I think, yeah, I think I've, yeah, I think so. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't think any more. I mean, there's a few more you could add on, but we've we've sort of touched upon them. But yeah, I, I, I'm quite happy with my my five, and your five are, are very very good as well. Yeah, good stuff. If again, if you haven't told us already on Twitter, either go on the Tavern Football or follow us at AK Nineties and tell us your most yeah, memorable, absolutely. most favourite international games um, of the 1990s. Um, Ed. Just re- just tell us that Twitter account again if people want to stop by for a quick tipple in the tavern. Oh, that's nice. Uh, at at Tavern Football. There you go. At Tavern Football. Um, and you can follow myself at Ash Rose UK as well if you want to. But more importantly, as I say, follow the show at AK90s. We'll be back soon. Um, probably more people joining us in the Zoom call as well. So enjoy um, International Week and we will see you soon. Until then, keep it 90s.